1: it's
0: just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th.
1: This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom.
0: PM Mood, the no talking points, no bullshit podcast that takes you behind the curtain off the red carpet and to the front lines of progress with change makers and innovators that are doing the work to shift our culture and expand our social impact. I am so excited to welcome to PM Mood, Angela Yee who is the brilliant female voice that holds down the Breakfast Club day in and day out, Monday through Friday. She is also an entrepreneur, an incredible media voice, and an activist in the community. Angela, welcome to PM Mood.
1: Well, thank you. I love that introduction. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be talking to you. I wish it was in person, but we'll do that later. Yes,
0: yes, we will do that under a different umbrella, a different world. You know, the way that I've been starting out these conversations lately, you know, PM Mood is my show where I get to really go in depth with innovators and change makers, entrepreneurs like yourself who are just using their platforms to expand their social good. But this current Crisis, global pandemic that we're living in has shifted my gears a bit. How are you doing during this quarantine time? How are you doing? How are you staying positive if you are positive? Because there are some folks that are just like, you know, today's a good day. Yesterday was a shit day. But how are you feeling?
1: I'm just very optimistic about the future. You know, i first of all, I just want to say that I do feel blessed that I'm still working. I'm still getting a paycheck. It might not be what it would be if we were still doing endorsements and still out, you know, getting our bookings. Mm -hmm, But I'm mm -hmm. grateful and blessed to feel like I have my finances in order so that even if I weren't, I wouldn't have to be stressed. In January, I paid off my mortgage on my house that I live in.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. And it was something that people were like,
1: don't do it. And I just really feel like when it comes to certain things, You have to do what your heart is telling you to do. And I'm the type of person I hate owing money, right? Like, I'm the type of person who I will zero out my bank account to, like, pay off my credit card bills. And when I paid off my student loan debt early, like, things like that, it just bothers me having those bills every month. So the mortgage was something that I was like, okay, I want to pay this off. And I made it a goal on for my birthday in January. I paid it off. And so... At a time like this, you know, I am grateful that I did that because that's just one less thing for me to have to worry about. And I know how I am. So I think just knowing how you are when it comes to your finances and things that bother you. Some people might say it wasn't a smart decision, you know, but for me, I just feel peaceful about the fact that I've done that. So, And and I have a two-family house, so no matter what, Mm. I also have income coming in, even though I told my tenant she doesn't have to pay. And I'm glad to be able to do that to say, okay, it's not like I have this mortgage payment that I have to make that I'm concerned about, so don't you worry about it. While you're not getting paid right now, that doesn't even matter. So, I'm just feeling blessed that I'm able to do that. You know, we do have the juice bar that you've been to. Yes, I have. And that's still up and running right now. And I think that's doing a lot of good for the community, for people being able to come in, get their fresh juices, get their immune system nice and strong. So, We're still doing our show from home also every morning, so everybody's set up in their own individual houses. I think Revolt TV is trying to figure out how they can put that on TV to get us back up and running on television also. So everybody's trying to figure things out right now.
0: I think that that's incredible, specifically around your finances and the decision you made to pay off your mortgage. I think that what... We're all realizing now in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic is just how financially unstable a majority of people actually are and how, you know, folks are a majority, 75% really, $400 bill comes due. Most people can't pay that. And so it's really important to be very thoughtful, I think, about how you handle your money, what you do with your money. And unfortunately, this is one of those times that are illuminating for a lot of us, myself included, Mm -hmm. how we need to make better moves in our life. And so with that said, I do want to talk a bit about your entrepreneurship, Black women are opening businesses at higher rates than any other group of people. We know also that right now in the midst of this crisis that many small businesses are going to be hit. Mm -hmm. How did you, before, you know, let's go to the time, the land before (laughs) the crisis, (laughs) how did you get into becoming an entrepreneur and why was Drink Fresh Juice and Juices for Life, why was that a venue that you wanted to get invested in?
1: Well, I'm going to be honest. like, And just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I definitely was one of those people that if I didn't get my paycheck this week, it would have been an issue for me. Like, I wouldn't know how I would be able to pay my bills. So I've definitely, you know, for years been in that position. So it was always something that had me worried and nervous. But I also knew I had to take some type of action when it came to that. And I think I've always been a multitasker. I've always had multiple streams of income. Even when I first had my first job. Like, I wasn't making a lot of money when I first graduated from college at my first job. But what I did do on the side was I could always write. So I was writing bios for just an artist, getting checks on that. I was assisting on events. It was a lot of different things that I was always doing because I wanted to have those multiple streams of income. And it wasn't anything that I did consciously. It's just who I was. I've always been, a, okay, what else can I do to make some money and to get some experience at the same time in a field that I'm interested in? So that was something that's always been like top of mind to me, even when I got laid off from a job, I got fired from a job and I was basically freelancing after that and I would have multiple clients at a time and I was just doing it because I could, it was no rhyme or reason to it. But I think as you start to finally make some money and be able to put Mm -hmm. some money in the bank, you have to realize, okay, what else can I do with that money that I care about that interests me, but that could also potentially turn a profit for me at some point. So the first thing I wanted to do was I thought about what I felt like I needed. And I would be in bedside where I live now, and I'm from Brooklyn, and it was hard for me to find places to go and get, like, a juice or a smoothie on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I'll go running in the park, and I'm like, where can I get this? And you can always go to, like, you know, certain chain places, but they weren't necessarily the best juices for you, as I came to learn. You know how you read those articles and you're like, there's this many calories in this drink. and (laughs) And you're thinking just because you're getting that strawberry banana smoothie that you're doing the right thing, but then you're not realizing, okay, they're adding honey or they're frozen strawberries that are pureed, so they're not necessarily that healthy for you. And so you have to realize what you really are putting into your body. And that was something I felt like I wasn't that educated on at first. So I knew a lot of other people weren't aware either. So I decided I wanted to open a juice bar in Brooklyn, and the first thing I thought about was Style Key and Data Kiss. I knew they had their juice bars in Yonkers and in the Bronx, so I hit up Style Key, you know, ran up on him at his video shoot, <laughs> and I was like, look, I want to do this in Brooklyn, and he was like, all right, bet, like, but find a location and get back to me, and I also wanted to go to the juice bars that I already have and sit there and see how it operates, understand that this is not something I'll do to make money. This is something I do because it's for the community. And that's exactly what I wanted to do here in Brooklyn. I thought it would be the perfect way to do something. And I like the partnership aspect. I'm the type of person who I know my limitations. Like, I know I'm a busy person. I know I'm not going to be able to do everything on my own. And I'm really big on, okay, I know I can't do all this on my own. Let me find somebody who has successfully done this. And then let's link up so I can partner with you, make your brand stronger, and create my brand. And then educate myself. And I think it gives you, like, less of a chance of failure. I'm always trying to figure out how to do things and lessen the chances that it'll fail.
0: I mean, I love this. One, I love the idea of working in community. That's something that has always been incredibly important to me, is how do you look at the community that you're in, the neighborhoods that you traverse all of the time, and and say, what do these people need, right? And yeah. wh- how are they being overlooked? And I think that particularly when you go to Black neighborhoods, Black and brown neighborhoods, you find that, you know, no, there is not healthy food that is readily available. There is not the juice bar that is readily available, the salad place. And so I think that particularly making those type of investments that are not just financial, but also about our wellness, right? Because what Mm -hmm. we are learning now, particularly in the midst of this virus is just how important your health actually is, right? And just to that from an early age
1: too, because I think about like all the happy meals I had Mm -hmm. growing up and I ate so much fast food and that was all I wanted. And now when I can see kids that want to come to the juice bar that are like they know what they want to order as soon as they walk in and their parents are really excited about that, you know, that means a lot because I didn't have that option growing up. I didn't have a juice bar or someplace that I could go and get something healthy. I was, you know, always I, I was a big fast food kid and soda and everything that was you know what i sea fruit punch and all yeah, of that stuff because
0: it's cheap and it's delicious
1: right so that's what you're not nutritious you can, but yeah and and really like when you stop drinking certain things you realize if you ever try to have it again like oh what was i doing right you
0: know? right if you tried to have that high sea punch today i oh guarantee you, you wouldn't be able to get it down or that
1: hawaiian punch or mm-hmm. something like that and you're like what was i
0: Thinking. <laughs> no, but I do. I, I do believe that health, especially nowadays, we have to really understand that health really is wealth and that if you can keep yourself physically fit, mentally fit, emotionally fit, it will go a long way into serving you. So I think that the work that you have done and kind of the parlaying of your career, because I also am somebody who has consistently moved in and out of traditional work right, Mm -hmm. where I left communications firms because I wanted to pursue my own passions, my own drive, and, you know, understanding that there is risk in doing that.
1: Absolutely. Right. So
0: how did you, like, you know, you have moved from different spaces and taken different risks, and for women and for women of color, we don't normally get to make those moves, right, because we recognize how quickly the rug can be pulled out from under you. So how are you able to kind of navigate and negotiate the paths and the career that you have had in media and as an entrepreneur and as a businesswoman?
1: One thing that I had to learn how to do super early on was to make myself comfortable with the idea that even if something happens with this particular job or this consultancy, whatever it is that I have going on, that I'll always be okay because I feel like I've always held myself to a standard where people, when they talk about you and you're not in the room, they'll be like, oh, Angela was great to work with. Mm-hmm. She was on point. She really handled her responsibilities. And it takes a while. Like when you're first getting started, I was Miss, you know, go above and beyond for everything, work seven days a week, you know, first person in the office, last person to leave, always pleasant to deal with, honest, keep everything on the table that it was that I had going on. And I made sure that whatever opportunities I had that I felt would be beneficial for my career, it wasn't about the money. It was always about the experience at first. You know, so Mm -hmm. I do feel comfortable knowing that no matter what space I'm in, if this doesn't work out, I'll always be okay because there'll always be somebody that wants to give me a check somewhere because of the lane that I created myself, the reputation that I have for my work. And even when things happen like that might not be so flattering for me, that. I feel like I don't even have to overly explain myself because the people that know me behind the scenes are like, nah, I know Angela better than that. And so I've had so many people hit me up on different occasions like, you know, they have your back because they know your work ethic, they know your personality, they know what you're like, and that's important because you could be on top today and the rug can, like you said, definitely get pulled out from under you. And that's, a lot of that has to do with how you treat people. You know, it's one thing to do a great job and if you treat people like shit, You know, that great job is, like, as soon as something unfortunate happens and people don't have to deal with you anymore, they won't. And I think it's important to note that, like, have a good attitude about things, treat people well, even if you don't feel like they can do something for you. Just be a real person. And people appreciate that. You never know who is working in the mailroom today and it'll be the CEO.
0: Yeah, I used to say that all the time I lived before I moved back to New York. I'm originally from Long Island. But before I moved back to New York and moved to Brooklyn, I was living in Washington, DC for 15 some odd years. And so one of the things that I would say is that like, don't treat the interns like shit, because this is a city that that intern next year can turn around and be your boss. Right? Absolutely. And it is, is, you just like, you have to understand that what you put out, you will get back. And so while we may like to watch movies like The Devil Wears Prada and we see people, you know, being that hard ass boss, that that's not actually the way that the real world works for many of us, right? And the universe rewards that in kind. So if you (laughs) respect people, you put that energy out, then it will carry you through.
1: And you know how hard it is for us to go high all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you do want to be like, okay. I'm tired of always being the person to take the, you know, to take the high road yep. and be the bigger person. But I'm telling you, like, there's nothing worse than when you do something in response to somebody else. Then I start feeling like, wow, this person really controlled my reaction and made me do something that was out of character for me, and I never want to do that. So I think, you know, one of the best things that you have to learn in this business, especially as a woman, when people do you wrong, is to know that hey, if they did that to you. Eventually, something will come back to them because then that means that they're not a good person. So they're doing things to you that are harmful and they're doing things to you that can hurt you. But to know that, okay, if they're doing it to me, they're doing it to other people also. So, yes, you're right. The universe will take care of that person. And then to keep on going, sometimes we get so discouraged when things don't happen the way that we want them to, when we have a really particularly bad day. We get laid off, we get fired, we get misunderstood, we get mistreated, we get treated unfairly. All of those things will definitely happen. And it's really just what you decide to do because I never want to let myself feel like somebody defeated me.
0: I hear you. I hear you 100%. Mm-hmm. So you and I have something in common, which I did not know, which is that we both worked at Sirius XM. Yes. <laughs> so you started your career <laughs> on shade 45. Yeah. Which I think is amazing because I used to pass that studio all the time. And (laughs) I I worked for Sirius XM for a while on Progress, Sirius XM Progress on the political channel Mm -hmm. with my show Woke AF there. What was it like to be the only woman on that entire station at that time? Oh, it was different. And, you know, like,
1: listen, to be honest, like me coming up, I was always I've always been like the only girl in a lot of different spaces. So even when I was young, I was always a tomboy. I'd be the one, like, playing, you know, baseball in the streets and stuff like that. And one of the first things they told me when I got hired at Sirius, because I had never done radio before, was, listen, you can't get offended by anything, because if you get offended too easily, then you won't last. And that was the first thing they said to me before they decided to hire me. So I was like, oh, man, what's about to happen? But. (laughs) You know, there are things that I think we're taught to not express ourselves. And I definitely was programmed that way. Like, so you just have to kind of like not express yourself, not get mad, not get offended, have this really tough exterior, not say, okay, that really bothered me. That, you know, then they're like, oh, she's so sensitive. It's just everything is kind of like you. It's such a voice club. And that's how I actually ended up creating that my podcast, you know, lip service just to kind of go against that boys club of, okay, this is not what girls are supposed to talk about. This is not what girls are supposed mm. to do. And that's what made me want to do it. Because I was like, I'm so tired of having to be the only girl in the room, be outnumbered all the time, never have anybody on my side. And I was like, I'm about to create an environment where it's women running things and the guys aren't going to have anybody on your side. And that's really how it even started, just for me wanting to create that space. I love it.
0: And I think that, you know, women, we need our own spaces, right? We need places where we don't have to feel like we have to have sharp elbows to move people the hell out of our way all the time, right? Right. Because, like, you know, it is exhausting. And I'm thinking, you know, to create, you need to have space. You need to have a clear mind. You don't need to feel like you're constantly on the defensive. And there are certain situations that will set you up that way. So
1: like even on the air, sometimes people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. They don't know what struggles, what battles you're having. They know that if you get on the air and you disagree with your male co-host, they're like, oh, she takes everything so seriously. She's no fun. She's no this. She's no that. And it's like, y'all don't know what it's like every single day to have to deal with it.
0: Hmm. So talk to me about the transition that you made in leaving SiriusXM and going to iHeart and then finding your way to one of the most badass morning shows, The Breakfast Club.
1: So when I was at Sirius, I had all kinds of issues. And, you know, being that you used to work there, I'm sure you know, but it oh was Carl, girl, I'll me. tell
0: you another time.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it I'll is tell a, you very a whole other time.
1: Run by white men, Come on. you know, platform. So it was definitely difficult for me with many of the things that I had to experience. And I remember when I did my exit interview, I was like, okay, because they make you do this interview when you leave just to kind of like voice your opinion. I don't know if it really matters. But I definitely was very honest, and I was telling them, I was like, look, y'all don't pay attention to anything that's going on in the hip-hop community, and right now Kanye and Nicki Minaj have number one and two albums on the chart. And I don't understand why money is not invested into this station Mm -hmm. or the other hip-hop stations, and you guys are doing Swedish rock festivals and, (laughs) like, crazy things like that. And I'm like, you know, you spend money on all these things, but there's a lot of synergy. Like, we should have been at Super Bowl weekend. We should have done this. We should have been at, like... Those things really just cross and overlap and could really help us out by spending as little money. And we have these platforms that you could cross promote, but you guys don't promote these stations. So I was just, I was very happy to leave when I left. And I remember when I was leaving, you know, at the time, the person who was my direct supervisor was like, oh, you're going to go to, you know, terrestrial radio and you'll go there and you're not going to ever be able to talk like you are on Sirius. And then all those shows, they never last and you guys are going to get laid off, and it's not safe, it's not secure, it's not a stable place. But I just felt like it was time. You know, I knew I had plateaued at Sirius. I have been there for six years. They didn't really treat me particularly well. And I will say this, too. Even when at your job you feel like they're not fair to you, it's so important for you to represent yourself well anyway. Because if I would have just been, you know, lackadaisical about coming to work, and not really cared, it would have showed. And people won't know, oh, she's just mad about her bosses. They'll be thinking she's just not good at her job, you know? So it was really important that I still represented myself well. And I had a lot of people offering me different positions at other stations. I didn't know anybody in FM radio, so Mm -hmm. people were, like, putting me on Facebook and contacting me to other people, just really trying to recruit me to come and work you know, at different stations. And so one of the ones that hit me up was Power 105. And I was leaving a meeting to do mornings in Philly, and they were offering me my own show in Philly. That would be my show. They were like, we're going to change the name of the station to 100.E. Like, they were really going Ooh, in. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to my car, and that's when the program director at Power 105 at the time called me off and was like, listen, there might be a position available here for you. So we just wanted to gauge your interest. So I had to turn down the job in Philly and I had to hope that the job in New York would work out in order for me to do that. And it took a few months, but it did.
0: Wow. That was a gamble. It was a good one. It (laughs) It
1: definitely was was
0: a a gamble. (laughs) But that was definitely a gamble. And so now the Breakfast Club has been around for how long? How many years? It'll be 10 years this year. Wow. So 10 years, you all have, I mean, fortified your importance in stone. You've become a force for what I like to see as political good. I have always believed that we need more shows and more people that can operate at the intersection of pop culture and politics and be able to ask the questions that regular folk want to know. Right. And to be able to humanize, or at least attempt to, in places, humanize politicians so that people understand that their representatives really should rep them, right? And that their folks really should be reliant on their constituencies. And I feel like you all have been able to do that. Was there a specific time and space where you guys, you know, DJ Envy, Charlemagne the God, your co-hosts, where you collectively decided we're going to make this foray into politics in a real way? Or was it just a natural evolution of the show and the regular news that you guys cover and talk about on a daily basis?
1: I think it was an organic evolution the way that it happened because we never had a conversation like we're going to start, you know, doing this. What really happened was when Obama was in office, we started paying a lot more attention, I think. You know, mm-hmm. that was such a big deal for everybody to go out and vote. And I think it made us realize the power that we had in getting somebody in office. Everybody's like, you'll never see a black president, you know, and nobody thought that it could happen. So we cared so much about that. And then I think with the election with Hillary Clinton and when she was running for office, you know, it was important to us. But I think we didn't realize how many people wouldn't go out and vote. Yeah. You know, and I Mm -hmm. still think hundred million plays a part in that. And then I think it makes you pay attention to how people get elected to the electoral college and all of those things that maybe I never really thought about before, that somebody could win the popular vote, but then still lose. And so... You know, it's just so many different things going on. Then you start thinking about the Russians and the with the elections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how did this end up happening? And as a society, it's disappointing because you're like, damn, people really think like this and really support a person like Donald Trump who has these beliefs and puts them out there. And, and he can just lie about things and make things up. But people still support him. And, you know, all of those things, I think, have mattered to us. I think we paid a lot more attention to local politics because... We have so many local politicians who are shining right now and a lot more women, younger people, yeah. you know, people of color. All those things really matter, like to see, you know, the first openly gay person, the first mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like, wow, this is, you know, 2020 and it's a first for so many different things. And so I think it has been amazing to see locally how people have really come together and supported local politics and pay more attention. But we need to really amplify that even more.
0: I mean, I love it and I I appreciate it so much because, again, as a student of politics and somebody who really believes in not mincing your words when it comes to understanding your power. I think that people always stay away from politics because they feel like it has nothing to do with them. And I am always of the mindset, no, 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 it has everything to do with you. It has everything to do with how you're putting food on your table, how you are or aren't mm-hmm. able to be insured for your health and well-being, what schools your kids go to. All of these things matter, but you have power. Right. And you have more power than you know. And so when people choose to opt out, I'm like, you're choosing to just give up your power to somebody else. And you would never do that. You would never say, oh, oh, hey, neighbor, you know a lot more than I do, so I'm going to let you make the decisions about my life <laughs> rather than me making that. the the conscious decisions. But that's what you do when you decide not to vote. You're telling somebody else that they're smarter and more in tune than you are, and so I don't have to do the work.
1: And then there's so much misinformation out there. Like, even right now, people are not filling out their census forms and, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that because they are using that information for this and for that. And it's like, but yeah, you're also not going to get the money that you need you know, in your zone where you live because you didn't fill out this census form. And it's just, I think, so many ways that they try to prevent you from having the rights that you should have because they try to tell you that it doesn't matter or that it's a negative thing if you do this and this is going to happen, you know. So it's just really difficult right now. I think even if you're looking at it, people are already saying, oh, Donald Trump's going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter. And that's going to make people not go out and vote for People are really downing, like, who we have as far as whoever is going to be representing the Democrats and going against Donald Trump. You know, it's difficult because do I feel like we have a super strong candidate right now? You know, not necessarily.
0: I mean, all you have to do is have eyes to realize that. <laughs> but I mean, but it's who we have.
1: But it, I want to be like, so, like, how we were for Obama and we got out there and we were excited. You know what I mean? And it's just sometimes just. It's just, I guess people always will tell you like, oh, you can't just vote for somebody because it's not Donald Trump, but you kind of can.
0: No, you absolutely can. And I, I mean, and, and I continue to say that, you know, in this particular election, what is going to lead people to the polls is not their love of a candidate. You get that once in a lifetime, if you're lucky. And for those of us that were fortunate enough to be of age and experience the Obama White House in a very real way, you get that once in a lifetime. What right. I think should drive people to the polls this time is that you don't want a racist, misogynist piece of garbage who is not bright leading you through a pandemic and you need to make better decisions and understand that elections have consequences. And part of the consequence of that is being in the position that we're in currently, which is with somebody who didn't take the necessary action in order to keep Americans safe. Right. right. Cause he decided that it was a hoax. Coronavirus <laughs> is a hoax. So. And then he'll
1: be like, I didn't say that. Uh, we have the we're like, run the, the, the tape,
0: run the tape, <laughs> Sarah, play the tape in the back. <laughs> like, <laughs> So where do you see yourself going in the future? I know the future is, uh, depending on what day I'm asking folks, is brighter or bleaker than other days. But what are some of the aspirations that you have for yourself in media, for other women of color in media, and just as you expand your growing empire where you're setting your sights?
1: Well, definitely want to make sure I keep on expanding this service. And so, fortunately, during this time, that's been something that I have been able to work on and continue the conversation about because I do love that I have a show, a platform where we can discuss all different kinds of things, get more into people's personalities, you know, and more into intimate details that you can't hear about somebody anywhere else. And so, that's been great for me because it's about not just sex, but relationships and how you feel about different things and your mental and advice and all of those things. So, I think that does matter a lot. And I think people really care about that. Another thing that I want to do is I do have my drink fresh juice, which we actually had to reorganize and re-strategize on that. That was a completely different type of venture for me. And it was a learning experience, but I think we've learned a lot from the initial launch. So now we're doing a relaunch. So right now I have plenty of time. To be working on that with my partner. So that's something that we've done and we've come back together and actually brought in a couple of people who are better at things that we lack, like distribution at the major supermarkets and, you know, just somebody who is going to be like overseeing everything on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, for me, I initially started fresh Juice as a way to get juices everywhere. Like I was telling you earlier, to have a fresh pressed juice and nothing added to it and then you can have that as a cocktail and it's way better than a cranberry juice or a, a sugary you know artificial orange juice and things like that so that was something that I really wanted to do just for us to be a little bit healthier but for things to still taste great but the business side of it wasn't all the way together so now I take that as a learning experience and we go back in and we learn what was lacking and then we fill in those blanks so that's what I've been doing right now to get ready for our relaunch and, you know, sometimes things don't work out initially the way that you intended for them to. So that was my experience so far with Drink Fresh Juice. So I have that. And then, of course, I've been working on my book. And now I have plenty of time for that. So I've been doing a lot of writing while I'm at home and
0: a lot of reading. Mm. What are you reading right now? Do you have any recommendations for folks that are looking for quarantine books? <laughs> I, so Michael Arsenal just put out a new book, I Don't Want to Die For. Oh, I know. So. I just interviewed him.
1: Oh, you did? <laughs> yes, okay, I did. He sent, yes, he sent me the book, so I was excited. I sprayed down the package and it came in the mail. Yep. <laughs> oh, good. So, yeah. So, perfect. So, I'm reading that book. That's the next one that I'm about to read. I'm going to start that one today. I'm very into, like, biographies and autobiographies. And so, I'm not, like, a super self-help book type of person. I'm more into that. I have the Beastie Boys book here, which I've been meaning to read because I do have that documentary coming on Apple TV. So I did that. I read Diamond Doris recently. I don't know if you know that book, but she was a diamond thief, but she was really classy about it. So oh, <laughs> and I've heard about film.
0: that. I've heard. OK, mm-hmm. OK.
1: So I read that um, most recently, Diamond Doris. Yeah. So listen, I have a whole bunch of books here. That You got I a stack still...
0: on your on your table.
1: Let me tell you, you know how many bookshelves I have in my house? In my dining room, I have like five shelves of books. And I have two standing bookshelves in my guest room. I have two standing bookshelves in my um living room. And then in my basement, I had bookshelves built down there, too, because I have so many books. But no matter what, I still always love to read books, like, physical copies. And I love the way the books look like pieces of art to me. So oh, I love it. Yeah, I think it's just a beautiful thing. So I love to have the actual books. But I'm like, am I going to have to start getting – you know how – we used to have CDs, and uh-huh. then we to get rid of them because they took up too much space. <laughs> no, Am no, I no, have- <laughs> no, we'll
0: always have books. We'll always <laughs> we'll always have books. I, I just recently moved to Cobble Hill in Brooklyn, and I couldn't tell you how excited I was when my media center came so that all of my right. books could go from the floor to proper <laughs> shelving.
1: And you see I have the bookshelf in the library and the juice bar too. Like yeah. I literally bought that bookshelf, and I was like, I'm going to bring books in, and I don't mind. Like, I bring all these books into the juice fire all the time, and I replenish them, you know, because I always get extra books at work, and people leave books at work that they don't want from all the different radio stations. And so I'm always able to bring in books, and I'm like, I don't care if people, like, steal the books and take them. I'll just always put some more. I don't encourage it, but, you know, I know it's no, going right. to happen.
0: You know, and I'm like, if you going to steal something, steal a book. Steal please. a book. Look. Mm-hmm. OK, so one of the last questions that I always ask on PM Mood, because the show is about how you motivate yourself, how you get in the mood, the PM mood to change the world. So, Angela, how do you get in the mood to change the world?
1: Oh, man, I'm a very big research person, and that's what really like, gets me the most motivated. So whenever there's something that I know that I'm about to do or that I want to do, I am totally like the go-online type of person and do as much research as possible, take notes, you know, stickies and put them everywhere. And that really does motivate me. And jogging. Like, when I go jogging, that's when I get my best ideas. Everything I've ever come up with that I wanted to do has always happened to me while I was outside jogging. When I'm not answering the phone, I'm mm. not looking at text messages, and I'm just outside running and just paying attention to everything that's happening around me listening to different playlists and that's the best time for me when I'm outside running that like if I know I need to do something or figure something out I'll be like let me go for a jog
0: love it love it Angela Yee thank you so much for joining PM Mood and making time for us there's nothing more inspiring than a woman that knows what she wants and goes out for it in each and every piece of her life and I just think that you are so incredibly inspiring
1: Well, thank you. I'm inspired by you too. And I was very flattered that you even wanted to interview me. I was like, who me? But I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's PM Mood. My political podcast, Woke AF Daily, is on Patreon for just $5 a month. That's five new hour-long shows every week for just $5 a month. Join the conversation now at patreon.com slash Woke AF. And you can continue listening to PM Mood every week absolutely free. Now more than ever, we see the importance of independent media. So thank you for your support. And as always, stay in the PM Mood to change the world. The
1: Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.